Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, remembering Weldy Olson, a Hancock Sports Hall of Fame member who was part of the original Miracle on Ice at the 1960 Winter Olympics. Also this morning, over the course of more than three decades, the Julie Cole Charity Golf Classic has raised more than $3 million to support the mission of Bridge Hospice. We'll get a preview of this year's 34th annual event. Is it time to reboot your long-forgotten health and fitness resolution? The first step is an honest analysis of your not-so-healthy habits. We'll help you do that. And happening around town, it's an Armed Forces Day tradition. The Findlay Military Show is back this week at the Hancock County Fairgrounds. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, May 17th, 2023. So you know how I love lists and uh, have one right out of the gate uh, this morning. The folks at uh, U.S. News and World Report are out with their latest uh, breakdown of the best places in which to live in the United States. 100, they took 150 of the most populous metro areas in the country, and they ranked the best places to live. Now, they put a lot of thought into this, a lot of, uh, a lot of work, a lot of mathematics, crunching of the numbers. Uh, they looked at quality of life, value, uh, desirability, and the job market are the four top categories. Look at things like housing affordability and the affordability of goods and services, utilities, that kind of thing. Crime rates, air quality, the job market, uh, average salary, uh, that kind of thing. Balanced uh, average income versus cost of living and, and so on. And they also, uh, in the desirability category, they basically asked people. They put out a scientific survey and they asked people, where would you want to live if you could live anywhere? Where would you want? What would be mo- the most desirable place? So they crunched all of the numbers, came up with the... Top places to live in the United States. And Ohio actually uh, fared pretty well. Uh, the top-rated Ohio city on their list, and again, this is ranking the top 150 metro areas. Uh, Cincinnati was the top-ranked in Ohio at number 50 overall. So right on the cusp of the top third uh, was Cincinnati. Youngstown uh, was the next Ohio City on the list at number 62. Columbus was number 69. Toledo was number 84 on the list, which is kind of interesting. Cleveland, number 97. Dayton was the lowest-ranked Ohio City on the desirability list, the best places to live list, at number 141. So down there close to the bottom. The uh, top places to live... According to U.S. News and World Report for this year, and they do this every year, and the list can change, but uh, number one, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Green Bay, Wisconsin. And yes, by the way, they did take weather into account. (laughs) But obviously, that was not uh, a determining factor (laughs) in terms of uh, overall nice weather. Uh, that was not the determining factor if Green Bay, num- uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin was number one. Huntsville, Alabama was number two. Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, number three. Boulder, Colorado, number four. And Sarasota, Florida was number five. So those are the top five. The bottom uh, of the list, uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico, number 150 on the list. So at the very bottom. 
Uh, let's see here. Uh, Bakersfield, California, <laughs> number 149. Nobody dreams of going to Bakersfield. Uh, and uh, Stockton, California, was number 148. So those were the bottom three. So now you know. And uh, just I love... Uh, I love Liz. By the way, Toledo uh, got special recognition for its cultural and sports attractions. So, kind of interesting there. So, I, you know, when I think sports attractions in the state of Ohio, Toledo is not the first one that jumps out at me, but man, that's what they said. So, there you go. The, uh, the best places to live in the U.S. Um... Speaking of weather, what is up with this? It is chilly this morning. And get this, they're talking maybe some frost tomorrow morning. Uh, we don't have to deal with that now, but uh, you know the, you know what they say. It could always be worse, and tomorrow it will be. Uh, maybe some frost uh, tomorrow. I don't even know where I put my scraper <laughs> or my windshield anymore. I took it out of the car. I don't have any. I'm going to have to dig out the sweaters from... Uh, from the closet. I, I don't uh, Let's see what else is going on. Among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. This is big news. If you are hoping to for the opportunity to try out for the reality show Survivor, it is coming soon to a location near you. The long-running CBS reality series will stage a pair of open casting calls next month in Putin Bay. <laughs> in Putin Bay, of all places. They're going to be at Putin Bay. Separate events will be held June 15th at both the Boardwalk and the Keys at Putin Bay. More details can be found at their dedicated website for uh, survivor casting calls. It is cbssurvivorcasting.com slash open calls. So if you want to try out for Survivor, Put-In-Bay. <laughs> I guess Put-In-Bay because, you know, hey, you get a few drinks in you and you're probably up for anything. You know what I mean? I figured they could probably find some folks be willing to volunteer uh, there at Put-In-Bay. Uh, some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Did you hear about this? It's everybody is a buzz about this. Taco Bell wants to cancel the trademark Taco Tuesday. Now, I did not even know that this was a trademark. I guess I'm not really surprised that somebody has trademarked the term Taco Tuesday, but it is not Taco Bell. The trademark actually has been owned since 1988, I believe, by... A rival uh, Mexican fast food chain, Taco John's. Um, they are mostly, I guess, in the Midwest and Mid-South. Uh, Taco John's. I don't know that I've ever been to a Taco John's. But anyway, Taco John's holds the trademark for Taco Tuesday. And they have been pretty um, pretty forceful in enforcing that. Uh, pretty aggressive in, in enforcing their trademark. But Taco Bell is arguing a court filing that the phrase should be freely available to all who make, sell, eat, and celebrate tacos. Now, 
I saw this story, and I'm thinking in the back of my mind, if Taco Bell owned the Taco Tuesday trademark, I don't think they feel the same way. I don't think they would be willingly giving it up. I think they would be protecting it just as much as Taco John's is. But because Taco Bell doesn't own the uh, trademark, they want to uh, invalidate it, cancel it for everyone. Um, Taco Bell says nobody should have exclusive rights to a common phrase like Taco Tuesday. (laughs) Again, if they owned the phrase, if they owned the trademark, I don't think they feel the same way. But uh, they filed a petition with the Trademark Trial and Appeal Board. Um... Taco John's has 40 days to respond, and if the two sides cannot reach an agreement on this, there would actually be a trial over the trademark of the phrase Taco Tuesday. There would actually be a trial, and it says it could take up to two years before a court decision is made. So you know that they're doing this just for the publicity. They're just doing it just for the publicity, and I guess it's working because we're talking about it. (laughs) So Taco Bell... Uh, actually has gotten people talking about a trademark that they do not even own. So Now that's marketing genius right there. Taco Tuesday. We can't say that because it's copyrighted. It's kind of like Super Bowl, March Madness, Final Four. We can't use those phrases because they're trademarked and get in trouble. Now we can't even say Taco Tuesday. We'll continue to watch that story as it develops. Engineers at the University of Waterloo have created a way to program robots. You talk about artificial intelligence and uh, the possibilities of AI. Engineers at the University of Waterloo have created a way to program robots to help people find things that they have lost. Now, how many times has this happened to you? You walk into a room uh, and you forget why you're there or... You Have you ever misplaced your car keys and can't for the life of you figure out where you left them? Uh, so these engineers created this robot that can help you find lost items like your car keys or your eyeglasses or your cell phone, your medicine. Specifically, they say the project aims to help those with dementia maintain their independence longer. Um, but this is, I think, great for anyone because who among us hasn't had one of those moments where we, I can't remember where I forgot. What is it? Uh, I think it's, um, uh, oh, what, what do you do is the uh, comedian is that have you ever found yourself looking in a jacket, looking in the pockets of a coat you haven't worn in 15 years for something you had 10 minutes ago? <laughs> I have done that. Uh, Engineers used artificial intelligence to create an episodic memory for the robot. When the robot sees a specific item through its camera, it makes a note of that item's location. And then a person can enter the name of the object that they are looking for into the app and the robot will guide them to it because the robot is constantly on the lookout for these things and uh, remembering where they were. Uh, so I think this is a a great idea. This, if I could have a robot in my home and, you know, I think that there are, uh, various, I mean, there are a lot of home robots. You got home vacuum cleaners and home, you know, you got home robots. Um, 
and they are more of a novelty, I think this could be very, very useful. By the way, the name of the robot, they call it Fetch. So, very appropriate. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Plenty of sunshine expected today, a high in the low 60s. Clear skies tonight, a low around 40. The month of May is Motorcycle Safety Awareness Month, and Sergeant Kinney of the Finley Post of the Highway Patrol says with the weather getting nicer, we're going to see more motorcycles on the roadways. We're out there trying to keep an eye on speed, stuff like that, people doing unsafe lane changes. If we can head that off, maybe we can stop the the crashes that involve the motorcycles because the majority of the time the people say, you know, I, I just didn't see them. The sergeant reminds motorcyclists that they need to be properly trained in motorcycle safety and have a motorcycle endorsement. And he's asking everybody on the roadways to always pay attention for motorcycles. Get more safety tips from the sergeant with this story on our website. The Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation has identified some confiscated drugs as so-called rainbow fentanyl. Ohio's BCI has previously identified fentanyl in multiple forms, but this analysis marks the Bureau's first instance of rainbow fentanyl, which the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration has warned is a deliberate effort by traffickers to mask deadly fentanyl in a form attractive to young Americans. Kate Burdett, ONN. Finley Mayor Christina Mern will be speaking at the Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland's 16th Annual Policy Summit this summer. I'm excited to participate in a panel uh, with the Cleveland Federal Reserve Bank to be able to talk about thriving communities and really how the city of Finley continues to be successful and how we come together to solve community issues. That policy summit is coming up in June. Get more of our conversation with Mayor Mern about it on our website. The Finley Water Department began flushing fire hydrants this week. Hydrant flushing is part of the general maintenance of a city's water distribution system and helps ensure that adequate water flow is available. Residents with any questions about the process can contact the Water Distribution Office. The Hancock Historical Museum will be hosting its classic movie night on Friday with a screening of How to Steal a Million. The 1966 comedy stars Audrey Hepburn and Peter O'Toole. Classic movie night is free and open to the public. Seating is limited and reservations are encouraged but not required. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So our cover story this morning is something of a somber story. We got word a couple of days ago that Weldy Olson had passed away. Well, you talk about a life well lived. Hancock Sports Hall of Fame member, Baja Hall of Fame member, part of the original Miracle on Ice at the 1960 Winter Olympics. And uh, so we have called on our two favorite hockey uh, folks here uh, locally, Rich Fowler and Cliff Brown, to. Uh, Talk a little bit about uh, their memories and share uh, their remembrances of uh, of Weldy. Rich, you actually, I guess, first met uh, Weldy what nineteen nineteen ninety. Yeah, and, and the only thing that you missed, and you there's a, a resume in there, but oh you, yeah, you, I mean, you mentioned Faha, you mentioned the Olympics, also Michigan State University Michigan Hall State. of Fame, right? Him and his brothers. I mean, right. he's. But I met him in nineteen ninety, actually, in this studio. Well. This this equipment, the studio was in a different part of the different <laughs> right. part of the city, but right. uh, yeah, he had he had two sons in uh, in Desert Storm, mm-hmm. and uh, WFIN did some work with Marie Osmond and got to uh, with the uh, Armed Forces Radio with Armed Forces Radio, and uh, he uh, sent a uh, message to his kids, his kids, was, correct, yeah. 
Well, this is Waldy Olson. Just want to say hello to both Greg and Keith. Hope you're doing well and feeling fine. And we're looking forward to you coming home as soon as possible. And uh, we'll say hello to Scott and Lynn when they come down for Lynn's birthday in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Take care, that guys. Is, that, well, that was the first time I got to meet both he and Helen. Yeah. And the, the part on there that you probably didn't hear is yeah. Helen Helen tried to do a message, and yeah. we, we included it, but her voice cracked a bit. Yeah. The, the cool-ish or more part of the, the end of that story is uh, their son was a tank commander at the time, mm-hmm. and... So that that piece was part of a two-hour uh, Marie Osmond Armed Forces Radio special broadcast all over the Middle East for Armed Forces Radio hmm. during the storm, during Desert Storm. Right. I got a letter from his son uh, a couple of weeks later because this was, okay, this was 1990, so email didn't exist yeah, you were as getting much. Yeah. We're getting letters, right. exactly. Right. Uh, and I actually, we sent them all a cassette tape. If <laughs> You know, we, we remember what those looked like, yeah. uh, a cassette tape of the of the special. I got a letter from his son back that he was, See, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choke a little as I say it because it's special. He, uh, he was in his tank crossing into mm. enemy territory. Wow! When he heard this, when he heard his father's voice, right? And he's like, "Okay, I know I'm gonna be okay." Yeah. And that was that was kind of weldy. He was always there for somebody else, whether it was his kids, which he's got a passel of them, and they do a lot for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's for FAHA, the Finley Area Hockey Association. Right whether it was for the Finlay Trojan hockey team. He was always out at the, at the games. He was mm-hmm. a fixture out there. Yeah. Uh, and he was, he was a good guy, he was, but had fun stories, too. We can't tell a lot of them here, but he had fun stories. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what brought Weldy here? Uh, because he's a Michigan native from Actually, from he, uh, he was involved in constructing and planning, building ice rinks. And he was in the business to do that. And then he actually became the manager of the cube. Well, not the cube. was HRC back then. Right. And he ran the rink. And that's when I first met him because my son started to play hockey mm-hmm. in Faha. And he was the rink manager. So I got to meet him then and got to see. He's got a little box that he has his silver medal in from 1956 mm-hmm. Olympics, and then he has his gold medal, 1960 Olympics. It's like you said, a lot of people think the first time we, we won the Olympics right. was Miracle on Ice, and yeah. it isn't. The, the, it, the 1980 Olympics are the one, is the one that everybody correct. remembers. Yep. Yep. But 1960 uh, was every bit as uh, impressive uh, a win because going in, there were a lot of folks who picked the U.S. to actually finish dead last. Yes, in that correct. tournament That's in 1960. And, and uh, you know, the, those guys back in those days played with no helmets. Goalies didn't <laughs> yes. have helmets. Yes. I mean, it was a rough, <laughs> tough, yeah. tough hockey game yeah. when they played. And they were also the very first team. Only was the first team that he was the assistant captain of mm-hmm. that went to Russia to play in Russia. Hmm. No, there was very first team yeah. to do that. And, you know, and he was also assistant captain of the 1960 Olympic well, team. What was, what was amazing about the 1960 team uh, is like 1980, these were not professionals. They were just kind of a ragtag group of, uh, of college kids. College kids. That's what they were. Um, <laughs> they had to beat the, the Russians. 
uh, the, the Soviet Union at that time. The Canadians uh, were also heavily favored. Oh, sure. Uh, and yeah. then the uh, the Czechs uh, yeah. in the gold medal game. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that was actually even maybe a more impressive feat, uh, what they did in 1960. Yes, absolutely. I mean, again, again, and like uh, Rich said, Welly was so patriotic. I mean, whenever you saw him, he pretty much had his medals somewhere nearby yeah. because he wanted people to know you know that the USA went in there in that time frame mm-hmm. and beat the Russians, and uh, you know to travel all across the country back in those days, a hockey team, and the injuries they endured and had to have strange hospitals and people work on them, right. things that they went through, sure. the stories that Welly would tell <laughs> you when you'd sit down with him, you just couldn't stop listening to him because his stories were just off the chart just a, a sidebar a little bit of trivia uh her brooks was actually uh on that uh, 1960 team yes he uh, was he coached uh the the uh, 1980 team and he was actually a member of the 1960 team but well he was just a, a tremendous ambassador for the game of hockey oh absolutely well. yeah he and again as rich mentioned he'd come to our games and one of the things i decided to do about maybe it was five six years ago is that we surprised him with a Welly Olson day. And he had, we got his whole family to come in here, and we hit him up back in the locker room. And Weldy thought he was going out to drop the puck for our first blue goal game. <laughs> and he walked out on the carpet, and his back was to the locker rooms, and he walked out there to drop the puck. And then the next thing he knew, his son snuck up behind him, and he turned around and he went, Looked at he looked at his whole family and he went, "What are you doing?" And we actually had two medallions that were imprinted onto the ice that shows his silver and gold medals, and they're mm-hmm. still there. We still put it on the ice every year awesome. to represent Weldy Olson. And there's a big picture in the in the lobby of his Michigan State uniform number fourteen that he represented, and he's very proud of being in the Michigan State Hall of Fame as well as Rich. Yeah. To. Um, you mentioned that you know he's always at, at practices and talking with the team and all that. What is that? What has that like been like for the the kids to interact with someone who has achieved so much at, at that level? Yes, we we uh, we asked Welly uh, uh, numerous times when we got into the playoffs where there were critical games to yeah. be played and the tournaments, and Welly would come in and talk to the players and talk about the you know, how tough you had to be and how hard you had to play for your guy next to you as a teammate. And he and the kids really listened to that and reacted to it as a team. Mm-hmm. You know, hockey is not a game of individuals. You don't right. win championships by just one or two guys right. that score all the goals. No, you win with guts and, and the hard nose play in the corners and and as a team, that's how you win games. And, 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 uh, and well, they would talk about that all the time to the players and it really made an impact and we played very very well after that and well he's just a great supporter of the game and and finley high school and uh uh, another gentleman but couldn't be here this morning, Dan St. John, mm-hmm. who's French-Canadian, knew of Welder way back in, in the days and uh, because he was a Canadian. Yeah. And they follow all those players. And right. uh, and he was so proud of Welder for the things that he did. And Dan is a huge lover of Welder Olsen. Yeah. And, uh, 
And and <clears throat> Rich, as you mentioned, beyond just the hockey, the you know all of the different ways that he would be uh, involved, and you know would never say no. To he me. didn't say no to well, he didn't say no to anything. And uh, I not that anybody follows me on Facebook or LinkedIn or anything, but I posted a little. I posted a couple of pictures and some other things because as as you do, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, you and I do all kinds of. Fun stuff around town, helping out with charities and everything from the Hope House to the Susan right. G. Komen and all this, as did Weldy. And I've got a bunch of pictures of Weldy and I were at the Susan G. Komen in our in our pink jackets and our pink hard hats and we're out being silly. And he was always helping with the folks at Tim Hortons and, and helping with that. Um, you, if you needed it, if he could right. do it, he was there. Sometimes he needed a ride to get there in his later years. But hey, hey, he sat on the fifth green during the Finley Amateur Hockey Association golf outing for for Faha raised money in the rain to be the guy on the fifth green par three to to watch to see if anybody got a hole in one. He hmm. and his wife would sit out there for the whole the whole round of golf, and he awesome. did that year after year. Yeah, that is uh, that is uh, so often. I mean, it's. Uh, Certainly, we lost a, a, a giant, a, a great uh, individual, a great ambassador uh, for the game, and, and certainly, as we said, a, a life well lived. I mean, you know, that's you write that definition. I mean, it's it's uh, right there, and uh, we understand that the uh, funeral will be in Marquette, in his native uh, Marquette, but uh, certainly his kind of adopted hometown. Oh, we'll claim him. him. We'll claim him and hell at yeah, any time they want. One of nine brothers. Yeah. So, I mean, all we played should, hockey. We should tell that story. Do you have 30 seconds? I've got, yeah, about 30 seconds. So he told he tells the story. That's the thing we'll miss about Weldy. He had so many cool stories. <laughs> One about the Russian gas on the, the 60 Olympics. If you listen to any of the hockey stuff, Russian gas is like a, a bumped up oxygen that was is completely illegal in Olympic sports. And and he talks about sitting on the bench and watching them lean well, over. And, about, they talked about <clears> the story when they took on the, the, when they played the Czechs in the gold medal match, one of the uh, Russian captains uh, actually came into the USA locker room uh, to uh, talk him up because if there was one team that the USSR didn't want to win more than uh, the the United States, it was it was the Czechs. It was the Czechs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he he talks about the Russian gas, and that's a fantastic story. But his yeah. brothers, he had what do you say, nine brothers right. and a bunch of nephews. There was a tournament going on in northern Michigan. He talks about he talked about this, and he was in his I want to say thirties at the time, but. Uh, a tournament going on in Michigan. His family was together. He grabbed his brothers and a couple of nephews, and they went over and they won the tournament against some like junior college hockey players, just because. Now let's go play some hockey. Just because. Yeah, yeah, and that that was him. He's like, oh, come on, boys, let's 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 lace them up, and he That's went. Awesome. That's awesome. Uh, we'll definitely be missed. Uh, again, Rich Fowler, uh, Cliff Brown, thanks very much for uh, dropping by, sharing some memories, and uh, remembering Weldy Olson. Thank uh, Weldy. We've been blessed to have him as a part of our community. So as we mentioned earlier, over the course of more than three decades, the Julie Cole Charity Golf Classic has raised more than $3 million to support the mission of Bridge Hospice. Joining us this morning in the preview of this year's 34th annual event is Blanchard Valley Health System President CEO Myron Lewis. And uh, Mr. Lewis, thanks uh, once again for uh, joining us. It seems like we just had you here. We, was, absolutely, but it's great to be here. It's like great deja vu here. all over again. Uh, but this is uh, such a tremendous event uh, to be uh, into its 34th year and, and raising so much money. 
uh, for uh, bridge hospice, uh, among the other things that the uh, Golf Classic supports. Talk a little bit about the the why uh, and, and why it, this is so important. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, when this started 34 years ago with LPGA, you know, Julie Cole, local um, community member, when she initiated this and really worked to do this, I don't think we could have thought what we've accomplished since that date. You know, we use the platform of golf, which is her passion, to pull people together mm-hmm. to raise funds for something that makes a difference in lives. And when you think of Bridge Home Health and Hospice, we serve uh, o- well over 200 people a day. So 200 lives are being impacted by that program. A day. A day. Is, wow. That is tremendous support. And and uh, having experience, as many people do, but uh, anybody who has ever had the that experience of having that support, it is truly invaluable. It's very critical and a very important part of the transition of life. If yeah. You will. Not now, just for the patient, but for the, for the family. Actually, it's actually critical for the family in yeah. many cases because you can't plan enough. Right. Yeah. And when that situation comes where you need hospice just, uh, to help somebody, mm-hmm. that transition helps the family as well as the patient. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Bridge Home Health and Hospice is sort of the main benefactor, but also the uh, Arms Family Cancer Care Center. Absolutely. And the Arms Family Cancer Care Center has been a linchpin of the community as well for a long time. And it, it actually serves a few hundred people a day as well through different types of treatments and visits. And we are pretty amazed to have such a strong program right in the back in our, in our backyard. And through this um, Julie Cole golf classic, supporting these two programs is just essential for them. Uh, and then also the uh, Julie Cole Youth Golf Fund, which is uh, terrific uh, to kind of uh, spread the love of the game to the next generation and uh, hopefully that, that sense of service as well. Yeah, and I uh, think that's it, service. You think of that we're using the platform of golf to raise funds to help people through difficult times in their right. lives. And uh, at the same time, we're celebrating that support with youth mm-hmm. and you giving youth hope and inspiration and so it serves a double purpose yeah now uh really anyone can participate whether you are a golfer uh, or whether you are not a golfer anyone can really participate in this event i mean golf is the central theme but it's about more than oh just that. it's it's so much it's so much more the purpose of again that's a beautiful platform and it's a beautiful we look forward to a beautiful sunshiny day and a lot of people out there golfing but it's really the the individuals that sponsor it and the corporations we really appreciate them you know dinsmore is one um goodyear marathon work brow these are some of the companies that come out but there's many of them and we appreciate all of them but a lot of people can just join in by doing the silent auction on sunday june 4th and they can do that by going to julieco2023.givesmart.com and by signing up you can be anywhere and yeah. you can and bid on the same things and be part of that live auction and help give back to the community, specifically to Bridge Home Health and Hospice, the Arms Family Cancer Care Center. So uh, talk a little bit about the event and, and what all will be happening. You mentioned the uh, silent auction, and uh, there is a reception. Uh, then, of course, the, the golf itself uh, on Monday. A lot of things going on that day, so... Yeah, it certainly is a two-day event starting out the night before with a silent auction and a dinner for those individuals who are attending that. And then the golf is on on Monday morning, June 5th. A neat thing that people can do, anybody can do this, again, by going to juliecoe2023.givesmart.com. You can also sign up for a, a ball drop. 
And that ball drop really starts the Monday morning off. Everyone mm -hmm. comes together. Hundreds of people come together around this golf ball drops. And so we hire a boom and somebody stands way up there and they drop all these balls closest to the pin win. <laughs> No, I, I'm thinking, you know, the Masters has the uh, tee-off with all of the legends. Yeah. Uh, you have the big boom drop, uh, golf ball drop. Yeah, so that's it. You, everybody has to has a, have a tradition. So, so you yeah. can buy as many balls as you'd like, <laughs> and closest to the pin wins $2,500. Um, there you Second go. closest, 1000 and third um, $500. It's a great way to participate and you can even come on and watch and, it. Yeah, I was going to say, that's uh, got to be an, an awful lot of fun. And, and and folks can come out and, and watch. Yeah. You know, we also, we always bring in a, a golf pro right. as well. And um, over the years, many in, incredible golfers have come to celebrate this event and help raise, raise dollars for Bridge Home Health and Hospice. And um, this year, it's Tom Hoagie who's coming, and he's ranked top 30 in the PGA right now, and it just recently won an event. And so having uh, that caliber golfer really gets the people inspired to come out and to um, join their love of the game, but to use that love to help raise funds to make a difference in people's lives. It, it, it really is a tremendous uh, event. And as we mentioned, there is a website. If folks want to uh, participate in the silent auction, um, and I would imagine are, are the, the sponsorships and, and all of that, are that, is that all set in the, we will the always take more all? sponsors and individuals and companies just kind of reach, reach out to us, call our foundation, um, just call Blanchard Valley Health System and ask for the foundation. We're happy to um, help um, others connect to the program. And uh, for the uh, the ball drop, uh, how do uh, folks uh, get uh, get their name on a ball? I believe you can do that right through that same designation that same of julieco2023.givesmart.com. Okay. Very good. And I, I noticed that, that you didn't mention this, uh, but I have it here in my notes. It's, uh, we were talking about the reception on Sunday, and it says here, that it will feature a gourmet dinner prepared by you? That is correct. How about that? Yeah. I did not see we've learned something about uh we've we've learned something about you uh here. I did not realize you were gourmet cook. We will be uh it's a fundraiser event and yes you can um have me make dinner for four people and join my wife and I for dinner. Uh, it w I'm, I'm guessing that this is more elaborate than, you know, my, uh, my signature dish, uh, which is toasted cheese and tomato soup. So I'm guessing it's more, than maybe, that. A, maybe a little, a little bit, bit more, more that. but that sounds okay. tasty. <laughs> Again, uh, Blanche and the date, by the way, for uh, all of this, the, uh, the golf classic is Monday, the fifth. Yep. Right? So but the auction is June 4th, Sunday the evening. Is the Sunday really evening. encourage people to sign up for that and join in the fun. It is a, a terrific event and, uh, obviously a lot of fun, but uh, very much a serious side. So absolutely uh, terrific stuff. Uh, again, uh, Myron Lewis, uh, Blanchard Valley Health System President and CEO with us uh, this morning. Thanks very much for uh, dropping by once again. We appreciate it. Wonderful. Thank you. You know, as we get into the warmer weather, uh, today being an exception to that, it's not necessarily warmer weather this morning, but you get the idea. We should be getting into the warmer weather now. And we have been, uh, honestly. We've had some very nice days. And this is the time when many people will try to reboot their long-forgotten New Year's resolution to get into better shape, right? When it comes to the effectiveness of a weight loss uh, and fitness program, optimizing one's metabolism goes a long way 
toward achieving those goals. And joining us this morning was some advice on achieving that optimized metabolic state to support your overall wellness plan is Dr. Nicole Avina. She's a research neuroscientist and consultant for Gero Formulas. Uh, Dr. Avina, explain the importance of starting with an analysis of our habits, which you say is the first step. Well, I think like you said, you know, I feel like this is just a great opportunity to have a reset and to really just, you know, reconsider what your health goals actually are. People have slacked off with eating healthy. Maybe they weren't getting a lot of exercise or getting to the gym. Now's the time to really just think about what kinds of changes do you really want to make and what type of strategies can you implement to make those goals reality? Okay, so how do we go about doing that and what are the what are the steps to uh, doing that reevaluation, if you will? Well, I tell people that you really need to just start slow. I think that's one of the problems that we have in our, you know, society, if you will, is that people try to do everything all at once and then it all falls apart, right? Because it's just not sustainable. And so I recommend people take small steps and make these little changes that can have long-term benefits. So for example, when it comes to nutrition, it's important to make sure we're trying to, you know, eat as healthy as we can, make good choices. But I like to suggest that people focus, you know, on their snacks. So if you're going to maybe go for a bag of chips, Instead of doing that, let's go for a piece of fruit. Or when it comes to planning out your meals, so for breakfast, for example, try to start the day with things that are high in protein and high in healthy fats, things like eggs or cheese or milk, really just, you know, the basic simple things. These are going to help you to feel fuller longer, and they're also going to have a lot of benefits nutrition-wise. Now, you also extolled the benefits of uh, supplements, scientifically-based supplements. What's the deal there? Well, you know, in a perfect world, we'd all eat all the perfect foods, and we would get all the nutrition we need from our <laughs> foods, but the reality is <laughs> we're not in the perfect world. We're in the real world. And so many of our foods are highly processed foods. We're not getting all the nutrients that we need from them. And even those who are eating really healthy are probably not eating enough variety of foods or amounts of the foods that you would have to to get all the nutrients that you need. So that's where supplements can play an important role. And especially, you know, when it comes to our brain health, certain vitamins are important for our brains to function properly. For example, vitamin B12, it's essential for our brain and nerves to function. And it also supports energy production. It can affect our muscle strength. It can even affect our sleep-wake cycles. And it's often the case that people could be deficient in this vitamin, and they might not even realize it. You know, it strikes me that when we talk about uh, brain health, I mean, who doesn't want better brain health? Whether uh, weight loss and nutrition goals uh, is what you're looking at, everybody wants brain health. That goes across so many lines. So, uh, again, point well taken there. Now, uh, when it comes to those supplements, are they all created equal? They're not. And so this is a really important distinction. And especially when it comes to, for example, vitamin B12, you want to make sure that you're using one that's optimized. And so I really like Jaro's methyl B12. This is a type of B12 that is recognized by the body. And so it's going to be delivered to your cells more, effic- excuse me, more efficiently. 
um, it's also going to be better absorbed and retained than other types of B12. And so it's really a perfect complement to a plant-based diet. It's the same form of B12 that's found in animal-based foods, but with the Jaromethyl B12, you get it in a vegan chewable form. So it's really easy for people to take. Again, uh, Dr. Nicole Lavina is a research neuroscientist consultant for Gero Formulas. Uh, where do we get more information? Yeah, so to learn more, you can go to Jaro.com. Dr. Lavina, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Information that makes a difference. Good mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Now, this is a pretty incredible story. In Florida, Seminole County, Florida, a man's dog is recovering after going face-to-face with a 12-foot alligator. Uh, the city uh, of Ovedo, is that how you pronounce it? In uh, Seminole County, uh, County Florida, uh, says the man and his girlfriend were walking their dog along the Little Econ River this past weekend when an alligator jumped up and grabbed the pup. Uh, The man reportedly jumped on top of the gator and was able to free his dog. Uh, Florida wildlife officials eventually captured the reptile. The city is warning pet owners to avoid walking their pets near any bodies of water, especially during alligator mating season, which seems to be a pretty... That would be a a judicious thing to do, I would think. Uh, Avoid... One of the reasons why I would not want to live in Florida, the the gators. Can you imagine jumping on top of an alligator uh, to free your dog? That's uh, dedication. Lucky dog. Uh, Speaking of gators in Florida, uh, this this is a story uh, out of Treasure Island, Treasure Island Beach, uh, where police uh, were called to round up a large gator, uh, only to find it was a sand sculpture instead. A video shows shows an officer carefully approaching and poking the tail, <laughs> only to discover that it was a very realistic-looking work of art. Um, according to the Facebook post of the police department, we love the talented people creating works of art in the sand, but with it being turtle nesting season, remember to flatten sand castles and sculptures before you leave. <laughs> Uh, actually the, uh, the gator was even, and you would think now, how would they mistake a sand sculpture for a gator? I mean, the color different, but apparently the artist used seaweed to give the gator a greenish color. So it would actually looked like a gator in a while. Happy ending there. Uh, let's see here. From the international file, the broken news and Australia, this is crazy. An Australian woman recently gave birth to twins in a most unusual way. Each baby had its own uterus. Madeline, I didn't even know this was possible, but Madeline Kikikos, Kiklikos discovered that she had two uteruses when she first tried to conceive a couple, three years ago. Uh, following fertility treatments, she successfully became pregnant through IVF, and she also became pregnant naturally at the same time, meaning that she was carrying two babies in two uteruses. Uh, Cole and Nate were born last month. Um, the uh, doctors explained 
that the chances of having one baby in one uterus and a second one in another are one in 50 million. Um, Ms. Kaklikos uh, says, we're loving life as parents to our miracle twins. Do you, would you even turn them twins? They were uh, two separate uteruses. I don't know if they would technically be twins, but anyway, born at the same time. That is crazy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, what do you say if the uh, kids don't want to share later? I mean, they've never really shared. It's you know, a battle. Uh, let's see. This is kind of crazy. You talk about a destination wedding. A space travel company wants to give you the opportunity to get hitched in outer space. Uh, the company is called Space Perspective and is now offering couples an unforgettable way to say their I do's, putting lovers into orbit using a carbon neutral balloon with giant windows to make the most, most of the ultimate view of planet Earth. According to the co-founder, Jane Pointer, the waiting list to get married amongst the stars, quite literally, is already light years long. How many puns can we squeeze into one story here? Uh, couples wanting to experience this unique destination wedding can join the wait list on their website for late 2024. However, you may need to rethink your budget. Prices start at $125,000 per person. So just the two of you, you're talking about a cool quarter million bucks. And that's without anybody else attending. That's crazy. That's a destination wedding to top all destination weddings, I think. And a couple of other items here in the broken news, the odd and unusual side of the headlines. Memphis police are investigating. Uh, now, we've had some very unusual thefts in the broken news, but this one, I think, may be one of the most unusual ever. Apparently, someone stole 1,800 pipes from a church organ. Happened sometime between Saturday and Sunday when a moving truck containing the historic pipes were said to be worth upwards of $800,000, were taken from Calvary Episcopal Church. Um, now, apparently, nobody thought to question this because the pipes were slated to be taken to Boston for repairs, but uh, instead they were just they just disappeared. Uh, anyone with, with information or anyone who sees a yellow Penske moving truck with Massachusetts license plates and 1,800 organ pipes inside are being asked to call police. What would you do with 1,800 pipes from a church organ? I mean, is there a big black market for this? I mean, what is... What would you do with... uh, That's what I want to know. What would possess someone to steal 1,800 church organ pipes? It's weird. And finally, in the broken news this morning, (laughs) a middle school teacher in Kentucky has been suspended after a student wore a Ku Klux Klan costume for a class assignment. The the student wore the costume to school in Somerset, uh, southwest of Louisville, which officials say was for an assignment about historical figures. The student's teacher allegedly gave them permission to dress up as the KKK's first Grand Wizard. Um, 
<clears throat> now, now the school teacher has been suspended. Um, you just you just sit in the corner and think about that for a second. I mean, <laughs> who who green lighted this school project? That's what I want to know. Who gave the green light to this? Did you not think that this might not be the best idea? Uh, anyway, there you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news report, an update of the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is the sound of a popular American motorcycle. It's the sound of freedom, the open road, really good times. And this is what it sounds like with a drunk guy in it. How do you like the sound of that? Cops are cracking down on drunk motorcycle riders. If you ride drunk, you will get caught and you will get arrested. Drunk riding. Over the limit, under arrest. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Transportation. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. It's spring cleaning season. Have you been putting it off? A new poll of uh, 2,000 adults. 90% of Americans say they get anxiety from cleaning their homes. This whole spring think cleaning thing gives them anxiety. 90%. Uh, the most stress comes from uh, cleaning the refrigerator uh, as well as floors, carpets, and rugs. I thought that was kind of interesting. 72%. This is, this is what's really revealing here. 72%. Of those in the survey say that they are not as thorough as they should be with their uh, spring cleaning. 53% admit to cutting corners. <laughs> and 49% say they pretend not to see a mess so that someone else can clean it instead. <laughs> Guilty! I will freely admit that I have done that. 49%, I am on the 49% that pretend not to see a mess so that someone else can clean it instead. Uh, so don't feel so bad if you uh, have uh, ever done that, because you are certainly not alone. So happening around town, beginning tomorrow, as a matter of fact, continuing through Sunday morning, it is an Armed Forces Day tradition. The Findlay Military Show is back at the Hancock County Fairgrounds, part of this 36th annual Armed Forces Day celebration. And uh, joining us on the line this morning is Commander John Cheney of the Findlay Military Association that puts on uh, this annual extravaganza. And John, thanks very much for uh, taking the time, especially I know how busy you have been this week and putting all of the finishing touches on the uh, show and getting everything uh, ready. This is a a huge show that people come in from from all over to participate in. That's absolutely correct. And thank you very much for having me on this morning. Uh, yeah, we'll have vendors and people bringing vehicles in as far away as Texas. Um, wow. Some some from um, North Dakota and such like that. But yeah, it, it the area is one of the largest shows in the United States, and we look forward to doing it each year to pay tribute to the great men and women of the armed forces, both retired as well as active. So the, I, I am curious, these are, these are very unique uh, vehicles of all shapes and sizes, military vehicles. And I know that those who uh, own them and preserve them and so on uh, are, are passionate about them the way people who own classic cars are, are passionate about, but these are, 
I would imagine a little bit harder to come by than just, you know, your 57 Chevy. Yes, they are. <laughs> uh, depending what era you're from, the World War II on to the Korean War vehicles and such, um, the, the government sold them to just about anybody after the war times and such, so a lot of people collected them. Okay. And so a lot of the older vehicles are still coming out. Uh, people are all privately held. They're no longer in scrapyards or such like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the newer vehicles are getting a little bit harder. They, they're limiting what they're releasing and such, but there are still some really cool vehicles out there from all eras, especially some of the, the big ones that are coming out now that are being retired by the, the yeah. U.S. Army and other branches and such. So, uh, mm-hmm. so is it a sort of a uh, again relating it to classic cars uh, do people mm-hmm. uh, generally restore them there i know with classic cars for example there's kind of two uh, schools of thought some people restore them uh, others you know like to keep them in sort of their original state what is more common when it comes to military vehicles well, it's, it's that's a good question. Uh, it's kind of across the spectrum. It's almost identical to the classic car industry. Okay. In fact, we are part of that. Um, a lot of people find barn finds that are still have original patina and original uh, U.S. markings on them. And stuff. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna preserve those for what they are. They're not gonna touch them. They might straighten a couple fenders here and there. Mm-hmm. But then there's also full blown restorations. Some of the beyond the some of the vehicles that we get in are just basket cases. I mean, holes through the floorboards, I mean, pieces missing, and we just have to reassemble them. So when you go that far, you're going to have to do a full restoration. Now, I I would imagine, though, that restoration can be a challenge because it's not like you can go down to AutoZone and and find uh, the parts for this. That's absolutely correct. In fact, since there are several shows across the United States that uh, take care of the the, the MV community and such, Mm -hmm. our show right now, we've got 168 vendors coming in from 36 states to sell their wares and such. We've got over 500 spots just for people vending these parts and memorabilia and patches and collectibles throughout you know throughout all the years and such the one thing that i'm i'm sure uh is true across the board regardless of whether you've got a restored uh, vehicle or something that's in its original condition uh some may be rather rough they all tell stories and i know the the owners love to share those stories yes absolutely i mean we do this as a passion because somebody's grandfather or somebody's father or somebody's yeah. great-grandfather had this vehicle when they were in the service and such, and they want to bring it back to life to educate the public and stuff. And that's what we're all about, educating the public, telling the stories. It's so great when you've got a vehicle and a veteran comes up, a 90-year-old veteran goes, mm-hmm. I used to drive in this thing in World War wow. II. I love it. And that's the reason and that's the passion that this brings it out in our hearts. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, the show. Uh, again, it okay. gets underway tomorrow, continues through Sunday morning, all kinds of things are going on. Where do we even start here? Well, I mean, where we start is, of course, annually we have the American Huey 369 fly in. They're bringing in two aircraft, uh, including a, a gunship. And uh, they'll be on static display throughout the weekend, or okay. I should say the weekend, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they, We are bringing in, uh, we have several museums that are going to be on display We've got the Vietnam War Experience um, Traveling Museum, as well as the Master Model Museum. They're going to set up in the old Millstream Center in the fairgrounds. We've got the Marlboro Volunteers bringing in their museum, which is a uh, time in history, weapons and such from, you know, War of 1812 all the way up to the Desert Storm. 
we have dozens. We'll have hundreds of vehicles out there. We're bringing in the M4 A3 E8 Easy 8 Sherman that belongs to the Allen County Historical Society. Hmm. It's going to be on site for display, and they'll actually be driving around. Sorry, we're not giving rides, but it will be driving around, so we'll be able to see a restored Sherman tank in operation. You'll want to get out of, of the way when it's when it's driving around. You want to make sure that you <laughs> keep an eye out. Yes, you, you <laughs> absolutely want to be out of the way, but you know what? It's kind of like trying to get in front of a steamroller. You just got to be careful not to run in front of it. And such. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So also, this year, we have a theme every year, and this year it's called the Mule Muster. And the Mule was a, was a light utility vehicle that was made four-wheel drive that you can either ride on or you could walk beside and operate and basically for ammunition litter litter carrier something like that Mm -hmm. and uh so we're going to have we're expecting to see 35 to 40 these mules on site alone driving all over the place and such and and also we would be remiss if we didn't mention the uh flamethrower demonstrations Uh, because, right. and, and if you've seen the photos, it looks like you're basically setting the fairgrounds on fire here. You know, it's the funny thing is people say, oh, look, it's just a little bright little flame. You could be a hundred foot away from this thing and you can feel the heat. It's just amazing. Yeah. If you've never seen it before. And we're doing a special, uh, every, every year we do a Friday night shoot after dark. So once the once the sun goes down, we turn the lights off, and then they go out and do a big flamethrower demonstration in the dark. It's pretty spectacular. <laughs> that'll light your campfire right there. Uh, yeah. And that'll be 9 o'clock Friday night. So okay. anybody getting off work, they can come on in, have plenty of time to look things over, get some food, and then stick around for a flamethrower demonstration. Yeah, lots of, uh, lots of food, lots of things to see for uh, anybody who has any interest in military vehicles or uh, the military experience. It is uh, certainly a, a great event, and I know a lot of folks look forward to this uh, every year. Uh, talk a little bit about admission. It's, what, $10 for adults, right? $10 for adults. Um, it's $5 for children between 6 and 17 and then all children underneath six are free. Okay. So it should be seven, 17, yeah. And um, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and uh, just like the uh, the fair, best uh, place to uh, enter is on the uh, Fishlock Gate, right? That that is that is our public entrance. You'll okay. be parking outside of the outside in the grass area, the Fishlock entrance. We have a trolley running from in and out. We also have golf cart rental right inside of the gate. Um, come on in. Saturday is going to be our chock-full day. We're going to be having, of course, our Veteran of the Year award ceremony and breakfast starting at 7.30 uh, Saturday morning. Our opening ceremonies will be at 10.15. We'll have a flyover by the Cincinnati Warbirds. We'll have the Genoa Band playing at 1. We're going to have flamethrower demonstrations. We're going to have a battle reenactment at 2 o'clock. So come see the battle reenactment. Uh, we will um, we will be having some of the gates open. That way everybody can get to the battlefield. <laughs> we had a problem a couple years ago. We could they had a long walk to get there, but this year we're going to have the gates open, so okay. make sure everybody can get out there to see us. Very good. Uh, and again, it's uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, and then the uh, morning of Sunday when everything wraps up. We've got a link on our webpage for more information about the uh, Findlay Show, the uh, Military Show, and the Armed Forces Day celebration happening at the Hancock County Fairgrounds beginning tomorrow. And again, John Cheney, commander of the Findlay Military Association with us this morning. John, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. Look forward to a great show. Thank you very much. Come out and see us, please. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program 
at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, what adventure is on your bucket list? Imagine seeing the seven wonders of the world in seven days. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.